What is wrong with you people? Bullard tells us rates are going to double digits. Maybe rates are going back to where they were in the 1980s. Crude's going to 130 bucks. We're not only looking at a U.S. recession, we're looking at a global recession. China is going to attack Taiwan at any moment. We all know that. And what do you guys do? You buy the dip. Target dip's under 150. You buy it, it's at 162. S&P's dropped 50 handles overnight on Wednesday. You buy it back up, and now it's above that level. We got to figure this out. We're going to do it here today on Pre-Market Prep. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep with your host, Joel Conan. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I'm bidding a penny. I'd buy that stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, investors. Let's get a quick update on the futures. We got our guest coming on at 8.15. That's the cow guy. So we're going to move things around along real quickly here this morning. We're in the green, 29 handles at 84 and a quarter, trying to close above 4,000 again. Let's see if we can do it today. Buck is down 22 cents at 106.37. TLT flat. Wait, this can't be right. Crude's in, in the 80 handle, 80.22, down a buck 17. That, that must be a misquote. Uh, gold down a buck 50 at 17.7150. Silver back over 21, going the opposite way, up a couple pennies, up 20 pennies at 21.17. And Bitcoin, so quiet here, two, three, four days. But we're up 135 bucks at 1,655. Or no, it's 16,655. Ethereum futures, they're in the green too, by 21 bucks. Well, uh, Triple D, we yesterday morning, you know, we tried to figure out why the market was lower. It took us a while. They bought it back up. Money Mitch, same question. What do you got? What do you got for us? I'm ready to buy the dip. Where's the dip? <laughs> Let's go. Dip yesterday. Let's go. They gave you a dip. It's over. Oh, straight to, man. Straight to 420. I missed the dip. Come on. Straight to 420 guys. now. That's how they roll. You're killing me. You're killing me. And definitely, you, you know, dip. we, we, we need to dip. get a sponsor. Mission, sponsor us. <laughs> so I guess if yesterday was a buy the dip and this is a rip, so we sell the rip today and we just go right back down, Triple D, what are you seeing out there? I think you get near uh, the high from three days ago, 400, 4,000. Yeah, I do. I think you're just fading moves. Chop, chop, chop. We'll get up. Then there'll be a headline, something to knock us down. Then there'll be the buy the dip silver lining coming in. So, again, just a hell of a lot of chop. The road, the path, nobody knows. Jack tweeted it even. Did you see Jack's tweet two days ago? You know what Jack tweeted? You know who I'm talking about? Twitter Jack. He tweeted, nobody knows anything, he tweeted. That was it. I was like, where did he hear that? Where's he hear that from? I like to take credit for it anyway. So. No, that's the that's what this market is. You can yep. actually just put that in the title. 
Nobody knows anything because this market is full of chop. You think you got direction figured out. You don't. You think it's going down. It goes up. You think it's going up. It goes down. It's going to be the way this market is going to be for a while here. I just don't see really that path that, hey, the bulls got control or the bears got control. Nobody's got control except the algos, and they like chop. They make money in chop. They will keep this choppy as long as possible. Well, of course, the the Fed had something to say about that, right? They thought they had control yesterday, or some people thought they had control. But let's talk about what some of the comments that came from, of course, St. Louis Fed uh, Reserve President James Bullard said on Thursday that the policy rate is not yet in a zone that may be considered sufficiently restrictive. He suggested that the appropriate zone for federal funds rate could be at 5 to 7% range. Then he also stated that thus far, the change in monetary policy stance appears to have only have only a limited effect on observed inflation, but market pricing suggests deflation is expected in 2023. And that knocked us down for about two hours. And then they're like, oh yeah, but we're in the buy the dip mentality here. And they came in around 11 o'clock when they always turn. If you want to know the times they turn, it's usually around 11 o'clock. They came in with their buying shoes on, and they could not stop buying the spy. So if you want to know when the turns happen, it's almost always between 10 and 11. Isn't it, Joel? Is Am I just like selective perception on my part, but it always feels yeah, like turns well, between so, 10 and 11. I watch this often, and I uh, talk about this often, Dennis. There's a 9.45 turn and a 10 a.m. turn. Somewhere in between in there, there, I usually yeah. expect the turn. Somewhere in between yeah. that, those 15-minute candles... I'm looking for those reversals a lot of the time. Yeah, I think so too. That's what do you see in those times, Joel? Turns. Um, there's numbers a lot at those times. You know, mm. like the University of Michigan. You know, Sometimes. the most important number. You know, in the world. Um, you also get you know nine forty fives. You get you know so you get you get different numbers at that time. Uh, also, yeah, the eleven o'clock. I also I think that that's when the algos are just like. Okay, things are thin now. So where can I go? Where can I jam it? And, you know, thin offers in the S&Ps. Hmm. Let's see if we could take this up 10 handles. And then whoosh, they do it. And then everyone, all the other algos are like, oh, well, we got to buy two and all the other traders. So I think, oh, yeah. I think liquidity, the liquidity, you know, uh, backs off. And I think it's easier to move markets at those times. And, and they move them and they move them good. Now, but one the area- easiest time to move the markets is overnight. And we see this again oh, yeah. and again and again. It yeah. seems like, you know, we're down. Last night, we we're actually trading down. And then we just start going green, going green. And then eventually, you know, they jack it up overnight. So I used to blame the Fed, but I don't think it's the Fed doing it anymore, jacking them overnight. So who knows who it is, but somebody jacks them overnight. Oh, well, the Fed wants the market lower. The Fed is totally oh, they against do. the stock Obviously. market. Yeah, uh, but Mitch, you know how I always get mad at Mitch when he comes up with his conspiracy theories and stuff? <laughs> we, we came up with a really good one on what happened overnight on Wednesday, okay? Bullard left his speech in the hotel, okay? And when the maid was cleaning up the room or person, they found the speech, and they found out. And then so she called, and they started hitting spoos because you knew what they're – they already had the speech, and then they were ready. To, when he said it, they were ready to start buying. 
So, so if you want the inside scoop, you're telling me we got to get in on the doormans, the maids, the the waitresses, probably. everything, so that we can go ahead and follow these guys, take a look into that. The but briefcase yeah, indicator. Briefcase the briefcase indicator. indicator. Okay, all right. All right, so. we got seven minutes to the cow guy. Let's yeah. talk about Foot Locker. Let's go. Foot Locker. I mean, it, it might be two Foot Locker because uh, definitely opening up and getting a nice little lift here. Foot Locker Q3 adjusted EPS at $1.27 beat the $1.11 estimate. Sales at $2.17 billion beat the $2.09 billion estimate. Foot Locker raised full year 22 EPS guidance and also raised Q4 adjusted EPS. Uh, we're in this retail earnings season where Ooh. some retailers are doing bad and some retailers are doing good. Again, nobody knows anything impossible to figure out here. So you get some retailers like Ross stores going up 15%. Some retailers like Target going down 15%. So yeah. go figure that out. All we know is the moves sometimes are very violent, especially when you don't expect them. Foot Locker, big, violent upswing. Probably next quarter, I'd have a downswing. Footlocker's always wild on their earnings. Off the board. It's off my board here. It's off my board on the dailies. Uh, I would just be careful for the pattern that it had here. It had the big gap up. It made the, the high of the gap up, on, you know, the move on that day. But it zigged and zagged before it came in. So the only thing I could give you, we're two and a half bucks off the high. Uh, look for that if you really want to hold out for a target. Uh, that's $41. Your next monthly high comes out at uh, $45.59. If you are playing any weekly options and you're getting some nice premium here, uh, you just want follow through on the upside. But uh, 41 that's the only level I can give you. Will Nike continue to run on this footlocker foot number? I feel like that's setting up for a nice move now above Friday's high, 107.21. See if we get through there. We already mm-hmm. had the Nike report, didn't we? Yes. I remember talking Nike. Yeah, what I'm Nike. more along saying, will Foot Locker help that Nike continue? Yeah, so again, I'm going to just uh, do a quick teaching thing here because I play sympathy. I'm basically relationship-based trading. That's 90% of my trading. So when the company reports, when you have a peer reporting you know, already, so Nike obviously sells shoes to Foot Locker. When we've already heard their report, there's no expectations on, oh, Foot Locker was good, so Nike's going to be good too. So the sympathy move is always muted after the fact. So if it hasn't reported, yeah, there could be a really big sympathy move here. But because we already heard from Nike, nobody's expecting, oh, my goodness, Foot Locker blew it away, so Nike must have sold a lot of shoes. No, we already heard it. So just write down and know that when you it's sympathy, you'll get little sympathy moves, but you don't get the big ones if they've already reported. And so they already reported. So one little teaching tool. I know I'm nasally. No, I'm congested. It's been like months now. Long COVID. That's all it is. So Nike. Uh, Luxo, what do you think technically? Might as well do a technical on it though, Joel. I don't know. I mean, you got to pop over one. Uh, need a whole, well, first of all, let's take out the, the two-day high at 106.60. And then things open up to 109.31. I, I kind of like this area, 106.60, because that was the high and it was the uh, a previous 671. Uh, and also, this closed for the, for the re- rebound. It's like a, 
funky earnings cycle, don't they? I always feel like they're they're um they're like late or early. Are they early? Um I'm looking at the dates. They don't they we the retailers report late, but is Nike super late or super early? When's their next uh their next earnings report? Um December 19th is the next earnings report for uh for Nike. I'll be looking for those levels to get through that uh, Friday high. It doesn't look too bad on the hourly there on Nike. Let's go to the next earnings report. Let's keep it moving here. We're going to Applied Materials. Uh, AMAT Q4 EPS here coming in at $2.03, beating the $1.74 estimate. See, uh, sales at $6.75 billion beat the $6.45 billion estimate. Applied Materials sees Q1 adjusted EPS at a dollar and seventy-five cents to two dollars and eleven cents versus a dollar eighty-three cent estimate, and then also sees net sales up to a high end of seven point one billion versus six point four five billion estimate. Chips all over the place again, too. Micron, Nvidia, just chips, AMD, just chips. Applied materials—they're all <laughs> over the place. They're all over the place. Again, it's hard. The theme it's of this hard, show dude. is nobody knows anything. You think, oh, yeah, well, Micron's weak. NVIDIA wasn't great. Applied Materials is probably not going to be great. No, no. Applied Materials is good. So who the hell knows this earnings season? That's the biggest uh, thing is nobody knows. 110.46, 110.53, pair of highs, highs of the rebound. Let's take that out. It got close in the pre-market. The recent high of the move, if you want more than that, uh, was your high on Tuesday at 112.12. Yeah, I think uh, one of the things with AMAT and these kind of semiconductors, I think we need to start looking at which ones are maybe being more affected by the uh, the trade curves and the export curves. Looks like NVIDIA is definitely affected. Maybe AMAT isn't as affected. But, of course, we just need to be looking deeper underneath the hood in their products and how that is working out with the licensing issues. Uh, let's go to Palo Alto. What about our guest? Our guest, not yet. I think it's eight. Did you say eight fifteen? I thought you said the guy's coming at eight fifteen. Is he coming at eight fifteen or eight thirty-five? Eight fifteen is what I said. Oh, I thought eight thirty-five, but normally, Uh normally eight thirty-five. No, but uh, I I, I told you on the pre-market show. Well, he's not here yet, so it's not eight fifteen. So we're going with eight thirty-five. So we'll go with no. It's eight fifteen. I said he'll be here. He'll be here. He'll be here soon. He does something on Sirius Satellite Radio at eight thirty. It's eight fifteen. I've said it a hundred times. My buddy Jeff loves the cow guy, so we can't miss the cow guy. Okay. Okay. Palo Alto. There he is. He's coming in here. We ain't gonna miss him. There's the cow guy. Bring him in. Bring him in hot. All right, all right. I'll go ahead. Let's go ahead. Let's bring him right in. Joel's internet sucks. We need help. (laughs) Let's do it. All right, let's bring him in. The cow guy, everybody's favorite guy. Let's get right to it. Scott Shalady, how are we doing today? All right, good. You got me? You hear me all right? Yes, we got you right here. Ready to get after it. All right, what's up? What's going on, Scott? What's up? What are you seeing? Well, I'm seeing, um, you know, a little, a little euphoria. But I think that, you know, I, I'll put it to you this way: we've we've knocked 1.4 percent off a of CPI from 9.1 to 7.7. 7. 
and the world thinks that their problems are solved. Um, yeah. If, if they want to get back to that 2% mandate, they, they've got to knock another 5.7% off. It took us six rate hikes to move the needle by 1.4%. I think everybody needs to slow their roll here. And I think that uh, we've got a bumpy time ahead still with uh, Amazon telling us that they're going to get rid of 10,000 people going into the holiday season. I find very, very um, alarming, alarming. Yeah. Uh, and then you add to the fact that what the CEO of FedEx said about uh, traffic and what he's seeing as far as people not sending things. I mean, I don't want to be a Debbie Downer, but if we're going to go over that cliff in that car, I'm not going to tell you what the view looks like on the way down. I'm going to tell you what's going to happen when we get there. So the path is confusing to get there, but you still think the late least path, least resistance is likely lower, it sounds like, then, Scott. Yeah, I, I, how can you not? I mean... Johns Hopkins came out with a paper that said, if we want to get to that 2% mandate, we're going to have to see unemployment up at 6.5% for two years. I think unemployment is really the last shoe to drop. I think that's what everybody needs to be watching. When we start to see those job losses come through and non-farm, that's when you'll know that we're getting something done here. Now, my thoughts are a little bit too linear. I understand that when when I talk about 1.4% for six rate hikes. I get that because the next rate hike could kill the economy and inflation goes to zero too. But I think that we're going to have to have a lot more rate hikes to get the inflation to where they want it to be. And they've said publicly, the Fed said publicly that they're willing to sacrifice a recession and jobs to get there. So look, the last time we had inflation this serious was in 1971 and it started with Nixon and it was 6.6%. And he threw all of his toys out of his pram, right? He was having kittens. He, 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 uh, he started a wage commission and a price control commission. So if you wanted to raise your wages at your firm, you had to go get government approval. Or if you wanted to raise your prices of your goods, you had to go get government approval. Well, no, it, number one, it didn't work. But number two, he couldn't figure it out. Ford couldn't figure it out. Carter couldn't figure it out. And finally, it got to Reagan, and he's the one that beat it. So we took four presidential terms to yeah. get rid of our last inflationary problem. I'm not saying that's going to happen this time again. I think technology shortened the time frame of everything. But everybody that's spending their savings and racking up uh, debt on their credit cards as a bridge loan to themselves to get through it because they think the administration is going to get on, uh, you know, a, a hold of this is uh, that's a fool's errand. That's they're fooling themselves. It's just a lot well, of risk. I mean, it's hard to justify the risk is what I keep, you know, assessing. You know, I've been saying you can sit in cash, get almost five percent here right now and maybe wait it out. Or you I- can jump in or you jump in and, you know basically at this point in time saying they're going to get a whole living. We're going back to all time highs. I mean, that that's the one thing too, is, you know, talk about that period from 1968 to 80. People don't realize it was a 12 year period in the markets where I think, believe the, I believe it was the Dow that hit 1000 in 1968 and then it never hit it again until 1980. So, yep. you know, everybody believes that every bear market is 18 months or less. Well, that was a 12 year bear market. So they can last longer um, I don't know if we're going to be in one of these or not, but I think a lot of people are still in this 18-month camp, and they firmly believe that if I buy the dip here right now, and within 18 months, I'll be making money because the market always comes back. I don't know if that's, you know, if it has to do it right away, though. No, and to your point, you know, I think once we do get through this, and by the way, we will get through it, everybody's going to be fine, right? It's just going to be, uh, you have to be more efficient, and you're going to get punished for bad mistakes. 
But when we finally do get through it on the other side of this, I don't think you're going to see wild returns in the stock market anymore for about five or six years, maybe seven. I think that we're going to go back to grinding out five to seven, maybe 8% a year in the stock market if you're lucky. And that's where I think people will get disappointed too. They'll think that this uh, this 20% return error that we just left will come back right away. And I don't think it will. Now, Scott, yesterday we had, uh, of course, Bullard saying that he could see uh, Fed funds rates going as high as 5 to 7% range. Where do you think you see them topping out around? At the lower end, I think because I think, you know, I think the economy is going to really start sucking wind. And I think that you're not going to be able to get them to 7% because that by then, you know, it's like the doctor coming out of the, your, your, you know, the, the room of the patient and saying, great, I've got great news. The patient's cured of cancer. And they say, well, how'd you do that? Well, the, she's dead, right? That's what they're doing with the economy. And so they're going to they're gonna bring this demand side down. They're not addressing the supply side at all. They're bringing demand down. They're going to crush it. They said they're going to crush it. So I have to believe them. That's what David Tepper taught, um, taught me about 15 years ago. When the Fed says something, believe them. They're, they're going to sacrifice jobs on the altar of getting rid of recession and they're going to or inflation and they're going to sacrifice a recession on the altar of getting rid of inflation. And I think that, yes, we, we, we're going to see higher rates, but I don't think we'll be able to get up to those higher levels because, look, we've already got 10,000 people being laid off on Amazon. I talked about what the FedEx CEO has been saying. Look at what Meta's laid off. Look at Twitter. Look at a lot of these firms that are now starting. There's a long list of people that are shedding staff, and they all have very good metrics that can look around corners and tell them what they think the economy is going to be doing. And so I think that we're going to have a really bumpy 2023. I think it's going to be very difficult. We're on the line with Scott Shalady, the cow guy. Uh, question, commodities here, right? That's the Achilles heel of the inflation uh, crew now looking to go under $80. Just give us uh, the top-down view on the commodities market. Some of these have come down, and those are parts of inflation. So is there a little light at the end of the tunnel from the commodity perspective? Yeah, I think that's led to some lower inflationary pressures. Absolutely, we've seen a lot of the grains come off from their highs of the summer. You're right. Uh, crude oil's, you know, going to go from well, good break to 80. Um, and we, we're not seeing nine or 10 bucks in net gas either. It's around six bucks. That all will help. And then also the housing is going to help, you know, uh, 4.2, 42% of the CPI is housing too. So if you've got these grains and energies coming down as well as the housing market, absolutely cratering, not quite to 2008 levels, but it's absolutely cratering. Um, you're going to see a lot of those inflationary pressures uh, help with that CPI number. But remember, we still have to get 5.7% of it off, right? Not just a 1% one, one or 2%. So it's going to be a while. And they're going to be hiking rates. And what the really weird thing is, fellas, I'm, I'm 57 years old. And, you know, you've read about all these uh, guys talking about the, you know, the old 60-40 garbage that they taught us in finance class when we first got out of school. Uh, the reason why it's not working, the reason why it's not working is we're raising rates into a recession. I mean, that's plain and simple. Normally, when we'd be raising rates, we're trying to slow down a hot, an overheating economy yeah. and the stock market's ramping and everything, right? Well, no, stock market's going down. We're raising rates. Your bond portfolio is sucking wind. Your 401k is sucking wind. Your house is sucking wind. There's nowhere to hide. 
just real quick, this uh, rotation that we've had, uh, you see it continuing. We had growth stocks, you know, leading the way for eight, 10 years. And like when you talk about five, seven percent, uh, I've kind of always shot for low targets uh, for something like that. So just talk about the rotation um, and how long it could persist a year, two years, you know, five years, or going to flip. I still like technology and energy. I know technology has gotten smoked. Um, and some valuations are, you know, it's the great reset when we talk about um, a lot of those stocks. But I, I, I am not in the camp of, uh, yes, the climate is changing, but I'm, I'd like to debate why. But I definitely think that we're going to be using fossil fuels well until my grandchildren are dead. Seventy-nine um, percent of the world's, seventy-nine percent of the world's energy today is fossil fuel. One point eight percent of the world's energy today is wind and solar. We're going to be in the and, and we're now opening more coal plants up than we have before. And year the last three years in a row, we've used more coal than the year before. Uh, so I like energy stocks and I still like technology because of health. I think that you can change one line of code and save, you know, 500,000 people. There's going to be something still there for technology. But um, if you've had it for the long haul, you're going to be a little bit upset. But at the same time, there's an opportunity there. I think the technology I've heard some guys talk about getting back in. I don't. I'm not quite sure I do it yet, but I think that there's absolutely going to be opportunity there. And I don't think that's dead. Well, thank you for joining us. Like always, Scott Shalady, AKA the cow guy, and definitely catch him on RFD TV. Definitely interviews some great experts also on there. So check out some of his interviews and we'll see you next time. Scott, appreciate you. All right, guys. Have a great weekend. Thank you. All right. That's a great interview there. And uh, as you guys can see, sometimes the grass isn't always greener on the other side. Sometimes it's white. Yeah. Black the spot. old pit jacket that he's wearing there. Where they do it from his days Lost in the pits. Yeah, yeah, it is. I had to wear yeah, a Sharp dressed man right there. It's easy yep. top. <laughs> uh, th- again, Scott's same page. Me, Cameron, Scott. We're all kind of same page. It doesn't make sense to me. But we can't argue with the tape, Joe. By the dip is working. So I mean, as a trader, yeah. as a day yeah. trader, you guess got to be buying dips because it worked again. Target, which we called twice on this show, we called one the sell off before, and then two we called the dip buy. So I mean, stocks get hit, the dip buyers come in. Mitch ready? He's got his chips there. He's buying the dip too. I mean, that's where we're at. Yeah. So I don't know what breaks that mentality. I'm not sure. We're coming out of earnings season. We're going into a historically, you know, good period for stocks. My fundamental hat and CFA hat keeps me out, like keeps me more cash. But my day trader hat says, buy every dip you got because this market is buying dips. So it's tough, tough to make it a is. call. It is. I, I, think, I just, all right, go ahead, money. Sorry about that. I, I think one of the, one of the, my things is also thinking about it. Is it going to be maybe just a like kind of Black Friday, Thanksgiving type of run versus a Christmas Ooh. run? Because that could be it, right? Because we're right there. We're right around the time where you know you get a little bit of that feeling like you want to go buying some things because Black Friday is coming up. So I don't know if maybe that's just giving us a little bit more of that kind of bullish feeling out there. And then of course, after the holidays, I don't I don't know about December. December is definitely a wild card, I think, here. Um, at least for right now in the short term, I'm still in that bullish camp because it feels like they can't break the tape to the downside right now. Even when Bullard's making those bearish comments, yes, we got a down move, but we're right back up there. So yeah. climbing the wall of worry. I yeah, I'm a little. Yeah. 
I'm I'm a little uh, disappointed in just my overall thinking, you know, yesterday because you know I'm I'm still like this I'm still neutral. Like we gotta clear four thousand, we gotta establish a bid over four thousand. That's to me would say. And Dennis, you you've had a level near that area. You know, not only go up there and hit that in interday highs, but show that we can establish a bid above that. And we got. 70, 80 handles away from it yesterday, right? Off the open. And so I'm thinking, okay, the Bears won. We're not going back to 4,000. And I didn't, and I wasn't aggressive. And then here we are. We're right, we're right back at this area. So 400.25 has been the uh the closing high uh for this rebound. So you know, it, it's neutral, but you know, you just can't wet one overnight session, one Fed speak you know, Bullard, uh, distort things. Cause Dennis, as you said, you, you've had this, you know, you have your bearish fundamental thesis, but you're there looking at the tape and you're not going to execute your fundamental thesis if it's going to cost you money. And it's so no, it, it's no from a day trading perspective, I'm just fading everything. That's how yeah. I've been making money in the last few months. Like really all 2022 is just fading all moves. We rip up too much, sell them, short them. We sell off too much, we're buying them. Um, it's just that simple. It's the way mean reversion work. Contrarian trader has killed it in 2022. It's why, you know, there's so many momentums, traders, momentum, you know, trend following all that and trend following has worked to a certain extent. So obviously trend following can work in the contrarian markets and we know stocks are downtrends. You're selling the rips on those stocks and uptrends. You're buying the dips on those. Those tend to work better. But I mean this, like, you know, getting the follow through. Okay. Now we're going. Now we're going to continue to get follow through and then you get the exact opposite move the next day. So, I mean, you've just got to adjust your trading for the environment that you're in. And in 2022, it's been fading moves, meaning, you know, you're selling into strength and you're buying into weakness. And that's what's worked. And if two days ago you were selling into strength, you're rewarded. Yesterday, you're buying into the weakness, you're rewarded. If you're buying into strength, you're almost immediately punished. So mm-hmm. that's the trend that has really been persistent in 2022 is just fading the overall moves. So I'm going to continue to trade that way. From an investing standpoint, I'd say my market neutral stance is like 30% cash, 25% cash. I'm obviously still a lot more cash than that. I raised up to 45. But, you know, I'm just, I have that CFA hat on and I can't break the mentality that stocks aren't cheap and there's a lot of problems out here. And I may be wrong. Uh, and, And, you know, maybe it's going to be, you know, but hopefully I can make it up on the trading side if I am wrong. So uh, right now I'm sitting sitting with more cash than I maybe should be. Uh, we had uh, or I had Christian on um, on uh, at the close on uh, premarketprep.com. You guys should definitely check that out. And he showed he talked about some stocks that he wanted to add to. He, he but he was like he was like I don't know what's going to happen overnight. I don't know what what you know my stock could be my stock and it could be going mm-hmm. up. But you know yeah. I could walk into you know. And it just turned out that we came in 50 handles lower. And, you know, so maybe those stocks that he wanted to buy on the close on Wednesday, he maybe bought them two, three bucks cheaper on Thursday. But Dennis, a question for you. What would change your mind uh, fundamentally or technically that we're going to build, you know, what? because I know what mine is. And I just put up here the triple D sell zone. And I, I imagine that's, that's a long-term sell zone right there at, at 400. Well, it's a trading what? zone too. So short-term trading zone too. If I bought stocks yesterday, I'd dump them into 4,000. 
dumping them 20 point handles up from here, I'd be unloading the stocks I bought yesterday. I think we can go. Oh, that's a hundred that. handle move. I think but that's 10 higher. points. Okay. But what would make you say, man, I got to put 15, 20% back in the market? Or are you just not doing it? I already probably should be because I said before that when we start seeing CPI start to tick down, that's going to be your green light to buy stocks. I wish I would have just listened to myself <laughs> um, because obviously, you know, CPI started ticking down here on the last report. So, you know, yesterday's dip was probably a buy really to go into if you think that you know that's the the change i'm just yeah. like so now i'm sitting here and i'm like a little bit of deer caught in the headlights i'm like well we ticked down but it's still really bad so i mean really if, if i just analyze what i was saying two months ago when the cpi starts ticking down you gotta start buying stocks i just wish stocks were lower when the cpi started <laughs> ticking down but the bloody stocks had run up 15 percent before it started ticking down so the market anticipated it the market got ahead of it it does do that from time to time, even though it's often wrong and irrational. So, I mean, really, it kind of already did what it was supposed to do. We started ticking down. We get follow through, and then we're like, oh, here we go. You know, like, this is green light go. So, I mean, really, I probably should have been buying yesterday's dip. Probably shame on me for not getting more involved. I had a couple stocks on the list. I thought about it at 392. I was like, well, I could, you know, bring it down to 40% cash again, that long-term portfolio. But I'm sitting here and just, you know, you, you're nervous. Like the market, mm -hmm. like you said, Joel, you see the market going down. You see a lot of problems out there. You see targets, you know, earnings report from a couple of days ago. And you're like, well, if we're going to go into a recession, do I want to own Disney? We're going to go into a recession. Do I want to own? And like Scott said, the Fed's trying to push it into a recession. That's the goal. So we're definitely fighting the Fed still by buying stocks. But the CPI is ticking down. So we kind of are seeing a green light go. Uh, from that inflation perspective, yeah, we did. We did pull back to the area that we broke out from. Uh, we did pierce it by 15 handles. So, when I, I same thing here, I'm looking at this bar here and I'm like, okay, um, you know, we're gonna really do some, we got some work to do here under 3900. Like, this was a CPI bar, it's not real. We got our work our way in here, and I couldn't have been more wrong or at least in the short term here. But as of right now, you had a move up, a pullback, a consolidation, a big move higher, another consolidation yeah. period. You got Thanksgiving. Don't we want to rally the market into Thanksgiving? So you can talk about something the besides turkey pump. It's not Yeah, the turkey let's go for the turkey, turkey day pump. rally. The okay. turkey pump. Bring that gravy, baby. I'm ready for it. And did you know the what, How are you approaching that match? I mean, I, let's I, I'm talk looking to you for a second. I'm looking for the push to the 200 day moving average. That's just held up Where is before. That? Um, that's at Where 408. Is the moving average? I'll I give you the exact. On my chart. I got you. So the, the exact number is 405.82, and it's been going down a little while back. Of course, it goes with the price action. So that pullback yesterday brought it down a little bit here towards 405.82. If you guys remember last time in August, that's exactly where we topped out on. 200-day uh, moving average was at four, 431.57. We got a high of 431.73, and then we turned right back around. So that's kind of the level that I think technical analysts are looking at. And the big thing I think right now is just going to be watching that Tuesday high, 402.31. We can get through there. I'll be looking for that uh, SMA 200 to come into play. So we got a few resistance points, but we got to get up through there. And then we can think about the 420. So we got to get up through the 399 and the 406. So my zone, Mitch's zone, 
Then we get to the Joel zone of 420 because Joel said on this show he thought we were going to 420 a while ago. Um, he thought there was room up there, which, you know, it looks like it's still trying, it's trying. to work to get there. It was good. It was a good tape yesterday. I'm going to say that. There was some bad news. There was some stocks getting hit. Tech stocks. ARKK was getting wrecked early. And they turned around to a certain extent. So are we out of the woods? No way, no way. But I would say we're still in a, in a, in a trading zone. I don't think we're going straight down. I don't think we're going straight up. So I think you keep playing the chop. And uh, Tommy, I mean, we got to get Tommy Lockyer back on again. Because what was that, like two, three weeks ago uh, with the tape, tape bombs? bombs. I yeah, mean, Tommy's, like that, Tommy's great. I mean, it's just, it's just so true. It's it, you know, and it, and they happen to be um, ignited, you know, overnight, and uh, it, it get the markets moving. So, um, I mean, I I got the only reason I I look at this area in the S and P is because there's just no daily highs there. But I do have reference points now because uh, I believe what uh, Tuesday or Wednesday's high. Uh, yeah, it was Tuesday's high. That was 40, 50, 75. So that actually stands as the high of, you know, the they're standing high of the move. So we are building in levels in the interim. I just don't like to put levels in there that the charts haven't given me. So uh, do we want to do uh, some cybersecurity? We got uh, Palo Alto Networks trading in the green. Yeah, let's go into it. Let's get right to it. Uh, Here's the numbers that we'll talk about here. Q1 EPS at 83 cents, beating the 69 cent estimate. Sales at 1.56 billion, beat the 1.55 billion estimate. They do see full year 23 adjusted EPS at $3.37 on the low end, $3.44 on the high end versus their $3.17 estimate. Also seeing total revenue higher than their estimate on the lower end, it's just slightly under two cents under the estimate, but on the high end, six point nine one billion versus that six point eight seven billion estimate. Palo Alto Networks, mm. get your cybersecurity. Ah, this one's a hard decision here. We, I think we know, you know cybersecurity like stocks. The story never cooled off with cybersecurity. The story never cooled off. Hacking is going to be a continued big portion of our lives for a long time. We all have to take care of hackers. We can see out of all the technology stocks with nosebleed valuations that have held up, these have held up the best. Um, you know, you can look at and you can just go to, you know, all of them. And, and some of them sold off. But for the most part, when you put it in perspective, a lot of these companies like Palo Alto Networks train, what, 50 times earnings? I mean, it's held up not bad. It's down from the highs, a two, 213. But you think about where we were. You know, and where, you know, a lot of stocks have come from there with the nosebleed valuations. And this is one that's just held up well. With that being said, a hell of a lot of resistance up here. All right. How, well, this one how about, um, just let me give you a number here. Yeah. Um, pre-market high is coming to 170 handle. And that's coming in. Oh, no, it's coming at 172. They stuck the 172 print. Well, they the guy, very good order there because I'm looking at this high right here. And that's 171.56. So you do 71.56 got done. That's the target on the upside for me. Uh, if it doesn't get back over that and take out the pre-market high, then of course you could look for a little bit of a pullback. But uh, I'm the worst person to uh, to ask where to buy after stocks gap up eight percent, thirteen dollars. Where to buy them on the pullback? So I'll leave it to that. I'll just give you the resistance. 
Uh, Wishwas uh, asking about where do you get open imbalance numbers? More than likely from your brokerage, but it's all going to be dependent if they have it available. The to opening imbalances. Interactive Brokers has it. You won't get that through a Robinhood. One thing I've always said is you're paying if you if you're not paying for trading, you're probably not getting all the tools. I mean, exactly. this is the way you know it works. You got to you know pay to play really. And I know everybody wants to not pay anything. They want free commissions. They want to you know just come on and trade. And it's nice to have free commissions, but, you know, I'm on IB professional. I pay commissions and obviously, you know, it's nice to be IB retail, but, you know, I control my routing. There's, you know, a few extra tools. So I don't mind paying commissions to have the extra information. Um, I get it from Ready Plus, but I also have an interactive brokers account, so I get them there as well. Most retail brokers do not carry this information for the simple reason it doesn't cost a lot of money. And when you're not paying commissions, there isn't that kind of money to subsidize it. So right. um, well, if you want I, to know, though, today is options expiration. Yeah, explain today's that, Dennis. Yep. Today explain is options expiration, third Friday of the month. So there's always wild imbalances, opening imbalances and closing imbalances on this day. An imbalance simply, if you're asking what am I talking about, I give them every once in a while on the show. Um, starting at 8 a.m. Eastern, the New York Stock Exchange publishes their opening imbalances. So they tell you whether, you know, there's more shares to buy or sell relative to the close. For instance, right now, Bank of America has a 315,000 share buy imbalance. That means relative to the closing price of 37.17, there is 300,000 shares more, more to buy than there is to sell. Obviously, at the opening print, that has to cross. So if there's an excess, maybe the designated market maker takes the extra or maybe he moves up the price to make, you know, to, to match it up. But right now, Bank of America has a significant buy imbalance. You know, there's a few other ones. Some have sell imbalances this morning. Uh, but for the most part, they're pretty much buys, which is typical with the stocks being up here this morning. Um, so this is information that I use every day. It gives me a gauge for whether a stock might be strong or weak. Sometimes you'll see a pre-market, you know, stock trading down. Got a big buy imbalance. I might buy that saying, you know, the imbalance can always flip. Things can change. One seller could come in at Bank of America, say sell 500000 It would flip from 315000 to buy to 200000 to sell. So it's all, you know, moving target. It's not set in stone. As new orders come in, those change. Once you get close to 930, they change a lot. At 925, the NASDAQ publishes their imbalances. So New York Stock Exchange starts publishing at 8 a.m. NASDAQ does not publish till 925. So if you see these crazy moves in NASDAQ stocks at 925, it's because the opening imbalances just came out. At 9.28, NASDAQ closes their cross, meaning to retail traders, to more, unless you're a market maker, um, you cannot go in on that cross after 8.28. It's closed to you. Or 9.28. No, New York Stock Exchange never closes their cross until the stock opens. So that's a little bit of market structure information for you. But these are tools that I use in my day trading. Yeah, Dennis, uh, just as far as, because uh, I talked with Rob uh, Friesen from Stock Odds and stuff, as far as just like sending like a couple hundred orders, you know, blanketing the market on all the S&P 500 stocks. I mean, at one point, that was a very popular and very profitable strategy. I know it, it, what he says is he's, you know, he still uses that information, but uh, that, you know, that not as popular. I mean, the algos got to it. You're not doing that anymore, are you? I mean, you're not as much. No, I used to send, you know, and that's the old Don Bright. I mean, Don yep. Bright from 1996, yep. you know, started this. Don Bright, yeah, rest in peace, Don Bright. We learned so much trading, good trading strategies from Don Bright. 
obviously the brother of Bob Bright, who started Bright Trading. He ran the educational portion of Bright Trading for the better part of 25 years, Don did. Um, I learned a lot from Don. Um, he had what he called the opening you know, envelope strategy, where he would basically, if, if you take out stocks, don't have news, stock opens here, he'd do fair value, he'd surround it here. So you're selling short stocks that open too high, you're buying stocks that open too low. I know I always have some bright traders on some days that could be long 500 different stocks off the open, just like that. So I wasn't that aggressive. I always stayed usually within the S&P 500. Mm -hmm. On a crazy open, I might get 50 stocks short or 50 stocks long. Uh, but, you know, that strategy worked for a long, long time. Now it feels like it's gained to a certain extent, Joel. I mean, everything changes yeah, over right. time. And if you just throw out a blanket and it's because uh, the stock's gapping up, then it goes higher on you. You know, and they take you and shake you and then eventually they bring it back in. But it's not simple like it used to be where, oh, stock opens too high, comes right back into fair value 80% of the time. This is not the case anymore. The rotation too, when you have a highly a market that has a lot of rotation, you'll see follow through moves after the open. Where if you have a market that is, you know, a high VIX, very correlated, you won't see that follow through and that strategy tends to work better. So that strategy actually works better with a higher VIX. Lots looks of strategy like, session here today. Looks like, oh, yeah, sorry, I, like I was it. on the mute I like there. the show today. I'm uh, going to give it a like. Can I like my You won't find show? that in any books. So no, they're saying Greg, every, read that in I mean, book. this show, you, you never find it. don't get good strategies from a book because people don't publish it. They, I they're just, using I, it. I haven't liked the show in years. I just like the show. You like the show. I just did 223. There you go. We get stuff away because, you know, I don't know why. I probably shouldn't tell you guys stuff like that either. 233, 246. We're in but, a fat, we're in a fast like market. Do I go? I'm going 250 bid right now in the 250 likes. 250 bid on the likes. Oh, Come on. Yeah, I like the show too. Oh, I just that's 263. I'm out at 65. I'm out at 65. He's selling. Oh, look at that. I got done at 75. You sold it early. You sold it early, man. Come on, man. 300 bid. Put a trailing stop on it. Put a trailing stop on it, Joel. 300 for 1,000. 315. 500 and 350. Let's go. Let's go. Smash it up. 500 Parabolic on the like button. Parabolic. Let's go. Let's see it. Can we get a volatility halt? back in, please. Volatility halt. I'm waiting for it. I got to tell you, I'm looking outside here, and I don't know if I'm going to be able to get outside. It has been snowing up here for three days straight, and now it's like going crazy. They're calling for 12 inches of snow here today. 12 more. We just got six yesterday. What world am I in? I didn't know I moved to Anna. Be careful with the Yetis out there, Dennis. The Yetis, they might get you. It's crazy. All right, let's go. Wait, just real quick, since we're off the rails, the, do you yeah. know the Lions are finally going to have a home-winning team playing their stadium on Sunday? Yeah, man. They're borrowing the stadium, aren't they? They moved the Bills game, Bills-Browns <laughs> game, to Ford Field because Buffalo is supposed to get four feet of snow. Four, four feet. feet. Four feet. That would have been a good game. They should have left it there. I'm going to the man. I'm not far from Buffalo. I'm only two hours man, from Buffalo. The old NFL I, would have left I've the game got, there. The, 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 I've got here. Let's just look. There's got to be a foot Four of snow feet. on my deck right now. Oh, man. At least a foot. And it's supposed to get another foot. So I'm going to have two feet by the end of the day here. Holy this sucks. God. I'm it's going to the Michigan game tomorrow, and it's supposed to be a high of 27, and we got snow on the ground. 
I've been going to dig. I've been getting new gear, and I, I would almost sit it out, you know. But uh, but Dana wants to go, and when your thirty year old daughter, are you supposed to get some snow? How about uh, nothing like you go guys? Blue. I'm so I'm go so blue. disappointed. I want to I want a school day, and a school I, day. <laughs> you know the kids you back before like the internet and everything. All of, all of uh, our kids' friends would call our house to find out if it was going to be a snow day. Because of course, I the would Joel Cotton Weather Channel. Yes, you know? Joel's yes, calling I... that too. <laughs> He's Joel like the cloud over here. Too. Don't this, kid yourself. Uh, he resistance makes bets area. On that too. <laughs> All right, let's go. Joel let's go. On let's everything. go to Gap. Let's go to Gap. Let's talk Talks about Gap and Ross. Those are uh, some retail stocks. It's that are retail. Today. It's retail frenzy out here. They can't stop buying all these stocks. Yeah, Gap EPS here at seventy-one cents. Sales at four point zero four billion. Beat the three point eight billion estimate. Gap executive on the conference call said that we continue to rely heavily on markdowns and discounting to sell through styles this quarter and have reduced receipts in Q four. So they're struggling to get out the fall styles. So it looks like they're starting to do some markdowns. And I think this is something that you can start looking at in a lot of places if they're having some inventory concerns. Mm. Well, once again, their their stuff is too good. I bought this poncho, I don't know, maybe 15 years ago. <laughs> the Gap name, Poncho. A Gap Poncho, and I, I, and I can fold it off real tight. Um we cleared 13 bucks. That was a big hurdle. So I'd try and be a buyer in the lower 13 handle. It doesn't look like it's going to be doing that today, but we shall see if market turns around. A uh, little area of interest. Uh, no, 13.53 was a monthly high. I mean, this is breaking out if you feel like chasing it. All right, let's go to the next one, Ross. Let's go to that one here as they reported also getting a little bit of a lift. And this is one that I was looking at because TJX's report didn't look too bad. Let's talk about Ross numbers here. EPS at a dollar beating the 81 cent estimate. Sales at 4.57 billion beat the 4.37 billion estimate. They do see Q4 EPS at a dollar 13 to a dollar 26 on the high end versus the dollar 13 estimate. Also raised their full year 22 EPS outlook to a high end of $4.34 versus the $4.01 estimate. So it looks like you know, some retailers aren't doing too bad. Ross not mentioning any concerns there with their inventory. Of course, they're kind of a cheaper already model. So too. that helps. Discount retailer. People may be trading down. But again, Macy's was good. So you'd think they go to Macy's to a Ross. But, you know, and obviously maybe they're going to Ross. But they're still going to Macy's as well. Consumer is not strapped yet. Again, we have not even seen the consumer really get strapped yet. You go out, there's stuff happening. I mean, I still think it's coming because I think they're, you know, we've seen what the credit card debt has done over the course of the last three months. It's getting jacked up. When you run out of that, when you run out, when you exhaust your savings, when you run out of credit card debt, you got a lot of equity in your homes too, though. A lot of these houses are way up. So there's a lot of still places for the consumer to grab cash from. Fed hasn't broken them yet. I think the Fed keeps going until it breaks them. So that's why. I still am staying with the large cash position. But a raw stores is a store you trade down to when you're strapped for cash. So I'm not surprised this one's doing okay. And that was a nice Okay, do lift, a little man. teaching moment here. Little little teaching moment here for uh for Dennis and, and Mitch. Okay. This is a monthly chart. What okay. am I looking at is a potential target here in raw stores for today. 
Um, no, 100 and sorry, 120. 117.58. Oh, he likes that. Uh, uh, I'll grab the exact number he's looking at. I see what he's uh, looking you, here now. Uh, you guys are, I, I see yeah, a the double block, top of 115. There you go. Okay. I it's found a, it. The two little highs. Joel always looks for two high consecutive <laughs> highs. And you know what? It works. This is Joel's level theory. It's like a teaching show today. But when I started at Bright Trading in the tr Detroit office in 1999, Joel was my office manager. And every single morning I would come in, he's done his homework, and he'd give me a piece of paper with all the levels of the S&P. And he'd have the stars there in the star system. And, you know, if it was a, a small resistance point, I'd have a one star. Major resistance point would have like five stars. But he does that by looking at old daily highs and daily lows. He sees two highs in the same area. He'd give it like three or four stars. You see like three or four highs in the same area, you give it like eight stars or stars across the board. Dennis, so, I mean, Dennis, the I've been has working it. For a long time. it I, Joel, is this a two star level? I don't think this is a three star level. Oh, two this is a monthly, guys. Three or four stars. This is a this, monthly. This isn't like a that. daily. This they'll is like a that. monthly. So, yeah, what, what are we looking at? What, what we like here? I, I, is this a two I, or a three I, star? On a closing uh, intraday basis, it, I'm making a three star. <laughs> on a closing basis, it's like a 10 star. Like you close. Oh, whoa. Yeah. Oh, it's yeah. There for you yeah. There. Wow. Stars it, out there. That's stars a big out number, there. man. You have it. You're back to the high for the year, man. You thought you were sitting on a loss in Ross stores, but now you're almost even. You know, it's a, it's just uh it's hold just on big, long uh, enough, your money comes back. <laughs> yeah, just buy and buy and spoken buy like a true investor. Okay. Don't tell all the secrets. <laughs> Tom knows. Tom knows. Just hold on forever and eventually get <laughs> like your money Babe back. said, there you go. Star <laughs> that baby. Let's go. Let's keep it going here, team. I got an interesting analyst note today from JP Morgan, analyst Lisa Gill upgrading Walgreens to overweight from neutral. Uh, stating that the company has significantly invested in transformational consumer-eccentric healthcare strategy, the centerpiece for which is the launch of Walgreens Healthcare, which looks to provide a better experience for customers, improve outcomes, and lower overall healthcare costs. That's what Gil wrote. She's been in sitting note. on that note for a week. Cussing Kramer out probably because Kramer gave the Kramer pump a week ago and saying, man, I was just going to put a bullish note on. Now it just ran up 3 4% on me. She waited for the pullback. These analysts buy the dip too. She's buying the dip in WBA. You know what, Trends, your friend? Buying the dip. I'll go with her. I usually hate the analyst calls, but at least she was buying yesterday's dip. Uh, I just would uh, temper myself and, you know, 4157 uh, is the high. Actually, that was last week's high. You tried it earlier in the week. You got to 4158. So for now, that'd be, uh, that would be resistance coming back on the downside today. You know, if I was trying for a day trade or shorten it off the open, I'd like to see the close and uh, went off the board at 4013. And you may see that. I mean, if, uh, you know, if all of a sudden they just come in and just whack this open, you know, everything that was bought up yesterday, you might see it. You might see it. But that it's a big move. I would say the average trading range, like this thing only trade. Ah, it traded uh, about 80, 80 cents last year. So now it's up 60. So chance for a above average range day how's cvs doing cvs yes not as oh, good i think back looks from like that. Needs to hold remember that ridiculous 94. 10 point down move joel or 15 point down move just yeah. close your eyes yes. and buy that day that was the most ridiculous move man 
I was actually caught long it. I remember I was really cussing it out, and I had to eat the loss. I, lucky I did because I, I never thought it could go out that far. But down like from ninety-eight dollars, we're talking on the October seventh candle down to eighty-seven in one day. That's a huge move for CVS, and I don't even remember what it was. It was on some contract or whatever it was, Medicaid. I don't know what it was, but you know, it came back. So certain debts are meant to be bought. That one was meant to be bought all day. Give what about Humana now? Too. Because it did do a big dip. It's gone sideways now. I just hate now. my price stocks. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a tough, Ooh. tough trade there. But little reversal around that five fifteen twenty and five ten level. You guys see this maybe coming back? It does have some price action to the left hand side that I'm seeing. It's starting to try to hold. It, it's like the best performer. Phone. It's like one of the best performers. What you dropped there, Mitch? That nobody my talks phone, about. My phone. In the last, it's got to be one of the best performers in the last like five years, Humana. Just quietly one of the best. I mean, it's just been straight up. It hasn't even participated in any of the bear markets. A little bit during the COVID when everything was going to zero. But I mean, for the most part, this thing has just been going up, 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 up. This year's bear market completely ignores it because obviously, I guess you still need healthcare. So um, defensive all the way, keeps growing earnings. Company's well run. I don't know what's not to like. I think you actually probably buy the pullback, be happy. It'll be yeah, interesting. I mean, stock what I watch. like about this one is uh, you know, you got a reference point here, right? Even if you're you know, if you're sticking your nose out at 520, you know, you got a pair of lows at 511, you know, to lean on if you're looking to get back half of this move, <laughs> which would not be out of the question, get you back to the 542 area. So I like it. Uh, the, I like it set up on the risk reward ratio, but uh, if that five eleven goes, then hmm, then I think the trade would be over. Well, this is one trade that I am going to call on the pullback now. I feel like Dennis has been early on this, and now we're really yep. starting to see it. It's the oil trade reversal. I'm starting to call this to the downside today. We'll see what happens. I feel like they're finally going for what Joel and I have also been pointing out. Crude oil coming back down. Looks like it's about to cut through the 80s, and it cuts through the 80s. Well, you could let go of some of these oil stocks as they keep coming down now. And I'm starting to think that, you know, we had a little bit of a topping out action, uh, but we're going to keep watching today. Stocks like XLM and Oxy, see if they start turning around. I'm always wrong. Why is why so Dennis, why have they, they been holding up so well? Wow, it's, okay, you know why? Low PE. Okay. I was low PE. No other reason. Low yeah. PE. Okay. Everything low PE. Yeah. Okay. Banks. All right. Energy stocks. Drug stocks. Everything okay. low PE okay. has just killed it. Low P. That's yeah. was simple. What do we got going on with I, I ignored here. the energy where, stocks where, with my low P trade. Shouldn't have. Should have been loading up. But it's too late. What's now. going on here? Do we have any news? No? I'll take what? a look there. Okay. Oh crude. Falling out of bed, yeah. I, I, I don't I don't know, but uh, that's why that's why I'm a little bit hesitant on this. One thing that OPEC is long on, are. Yeah, yeah, no. You don't have to say yeah. I don't know. We've just run a long ways, but we've yeah. been running. I mean, Exxon yeah, I mean, up 85 to 113. It's going to turn around some Exxon, point. One of the biggest companies in the world is up 30% a month. I'm not buying it up 30% a month. The time to buy was October. The time to sell it is in November. Is it go higher? It might. Momentum's still on your side. It could take out those highs. But I think it's prudent to ring the register. It's a big move. Congratulations to those who bought it in September and October. 
But it's been a big move now. I think you're coming in now. I think you're way late to the party. I don't want to be late. If you're shorting it, I got a four star. Or if you're trying to exit, I could even make it a yeah. I'll make it a five star because you got fourteen sixty six is a high, fourteen fifty, fourteen sixty four, and fourteen fifty again, and then your two day high fourteen twenty six. So there's someone out there, hey, trying to get that average price right around one fourteen, one fourteen fifty. The question is now, do they step down? Do they pick a new level? They move it down to 113. Do they move it down to 112? They were able to sell on strength in every session except for yesterday at that area. So that's what I'm looking at in Exxon Mobile. All right, nine o'clock. Uh, guys, I'm going to hop over to our pre market prep plus and uh, get things going over there, see how our traders and investors are doing. And we'll check in with you guys later on. Everybody, battle 4,000, man. Let's see if we can close a above there today all right we'll see if we get up there I'm today too. it's options expiration so it's going to be a wild one remember the open will be wild right now we're seeing quite a few buy imbalances that can change obviously everything can change very very quickly in this market even when it's not options expiration but it looks like it's going to be a strong open the imbalances are showing that as well so uh we'll see what happens here in another 30 minutes but uh sometimes these options expiration can be turning points as well so stocks open a bit too high it might be short some stocks into it that 4,000 is a big level s p mitch well appreciate you like always dennis have a great one and have a great weekend enjoy it yeah start getting better too. my friend get better yeah well we're, we're trying i don't know this nasal congestion's kill me okay bye all right well, I'm going to go ahead and wrap up and definitely appreciate you guys hitting the like button today. And I'd also appreciate it if you guys could do me a favor. One thing that we're trying to do right now is get some feedback for the end of the year. So you guys can go to this form and fill it out. You don't need to put a name. You don't need to put an email address. I don't need to know who you are, really. What I would love to know more is your feedback for how we can improve here on Benzinga. Maybe it's improvements on, on pre-market prep. Maybe it's improvements on stock market movers. Whatever you want to see, this is your opportunity to give the feedback. And trust me, we will be reviewing this as a company overall to make improvements for you out there. And like always, like I like to tell you guys, you guys run the show also right here on Benzinga. So we're going to keep making improvements. Hit that form for us and give us some feedback. Now I'm going to bring you over to, of course, all access, but there will be a tiny bit of live trading mixed in there for you guys that love to do a little live trading with us. So we will have Zunaid, Ryan, and I on the all access stream to start off the stream. We're going to tell you about what we're looking at in the day, get you right to the opening bell, and then we'll go ahead and get into a couple of stories out there to give you guys some investment opportunities to think about. And then, of course, after that, we'll be getting you over to some education. I'm going to go ahead and give you guys some education. That's going to be starting up around 1045, bringing you to Benzinga Live, then Stock Market Movers. And, of course, at the close, at the end of the day, don't want you guys to miss at the close, 3.30, Joe Alconin. We'll take a look at the market like always. You guys can catch us right here on Benzinga, 3.30 Eastern later today. Hit the thumbs up. And we'll keep it going right here on Benzinga.